0: Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and business opinion. Today is July 11th, 2016. This is episode 171. I'm Scott Magnus. and I'm here with my big boy, my color commentator, Jake English. For those that are listening to us, you should be following us over at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com, but you may also be listening to us on baltimoresportsreport.com. Uh, you can also be following us on baseballtalkradio.com. Or you may be just following us on third-party platforms such as Google Play Music or iTunes. Please, if you're on one of those third-party platforms, give us a rating. Give us a review of um, our show um, just to let us know that you're out there and we're not talking into the deep abyss of cyberspace.
1: Hello, hello, hello.
0: With that, uh, you can also check us on social media at Facebook, Google+, Periscope, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, Twitter at BAL, and most importantly, on Pokemon Go. You're ridiculous. <laughs> With that, drink of the week, Jake. What are you doing this week?
1: I'm trying to drink uh, the memory away of you posting all about Pokemon by taking care of a Troganator, uh, a double-bock beer from the Trogue's Independent Brewing Company, one of my favorites. Jake, I'm doing a Raw brewing company. <laughs>
0: Groove City Hefenweizen. I think Groove City actually was a city within Pokemon, just by the way.
1: What is it about the Pokemon?
0: Do I have to have Charlie Hops come on the show and explain to you? Maybe.
1: What? I think I'm just too old. I missed the whole Pokemon thing. How old are you? I'm 33. And I'm 32? Yeah. One of us has a problem, Scott Magnus. Uh, we have problems, but not in this general area. Your problem is that you've got to catch them all. Well, the problem that you have is
0: normally you drink very poor beer. And if you want to find out what poor beer Jake is drinking, you should check him out on Untapped at E 4025 If you want exquisite beer tasting, uh, check me out at m a g n 8606. And with that, Jake, and with that, let's go ahead and dive into the medical wing. I just let that one go a little bit longer this time just to get the giggle in there.
1: Hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all. You know who's not giggling this week? Who is not giggling this week?
0: Hunsu Kim is not giggling this week as uh, he uh, pulled up a little lame with, uh, I guess, a hamstring injury. Yeah. it was. You could obviously see that he was in pain. You thought, well, maybe it was just cramping. But came out It said it was a hamstring strain. Um, Buck said this has happened before, right before the uh, All-Star break in Korea. And Kim was okay a few days later. Ah.
1: It did not look good. Ah. Nah, 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 nah. I,
0: I, it's always in top, impossible to tell. I mean, I understood you stood, stayed at a Holiday in last night, but uh, we'll see what happens. It's it's kind of a shame because the platoon of Jory Rickard and Hunsu Kim has been so good. Um, it's kind of odd that at the halfway point, we're commiserating over the loss of Hunsu Kim, where at the beginning of the season, we'd just be like, gosh, it was so nice that he could just go in the DL for a few weeks. Absolutely.
1: And But But let me ask you this, though. Could it have happened at a better time for the Orioles? He has four days off to try to rest it up and see if he can go. And if not, the recovery period will have an extra, you know, four days added to it, basically. And let me ask you this, Scott. Yeah. I understand that Joey Rickard is not uh, the hero that we all deserve, or however that phrase goes. But he's not been terrible in the right spots. And it may also provide a chance for Nolan Rimel to get off the side of a milk carton. Nolan Rymel still on the team? I think Nolan Rymel's still into Is Nolan Reimold still alive?
0: I don't know. I mean, I think I saw him briefly in a defensive role, but that's about it.
1: He just ran by so quick like a gazelle. Speaking of people that we should put on milk cartons, the other end of the medical wing is populated by one Darren O'Day. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this. When he first went down,
0: we were like, eh, he'll probably be gone for two weeks and everything will be fine. But it certainly has strung along uh, for quite a long time. And it doesn't even sound like he'll be back after the All-Star break, too. So it's a really weird situation with the – I mean, again, so-called hamstring injury, but it's a hamstring injury that – is an upper hamstring injury that's gone on for weeks upon weeks upon weeks
1: now. Well, I think if you look at his rotation, he does a little bit more with the legs in a different way than some of your standard starters, or I'm sorry, some of your starter, standard pitchers. So it doesn't surprise me to see that he could have something wonky going on. It's just that the Orioles have been very hush-hush about it. Um, so it's very interesting to me, and I'm not getting the impression that they're anywhere close with Darren Day. I would be surprised at this point. If he was back before the beginning of August, it's really weird. I mean, there's, I
0: I looked into some, you know, studies about some high hamstring injuries in terms of MLB athletes and also certain other cardio players. Um, And and it looks like it could be anywhere between a six to eight week timetable. It certainly feels like we're at that four to six week mark now. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe there's another two to three weeks before it gets back. Maybe they didn't think it was going to be as bad as
1: it was. But, yeah, I think I'd rather get good Darren O'Day back than bad Darren O'Day back. Let me ask a dangerous question. Sure. The bullpen is depleted. Yeah. The Orioles, however, are in first place. Yeah. If you get a rested Darren O'Day with a fresh arm back for August and September— is that necessarily the worst thing
0: for the Orioles? It's not the worst thing, but you know what? I would rather have them for July, August, and September, and October.
1: Oh, I, I hear you. I'm just saying, if the bullpen's going to need a blow, if they're going to need a, a fresh arm, I would really like it to be the $31 million arm of Darren O'Day yes. rather than some Norfolk shuttle guy.
0: Here's the way I'm going to spin this to you, is when the Orioles don't go out and trade for someone this year, they're going to spin it and saying, well, we're getting Darren O'Day back. So it's almost like we made a trade by getting Darren O'Day back.
1: I'm sorry. I'm seeing your lips move, but all I hear is the voice of Jim Hunter. I was thinking Dandy Cat, but. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
0: Well, with that, let's go to 140 characters or less. This week on the Twitters. Jake, why don't you go ahead
1: and take the first one? The first one is, of course, the most important, and that is we need more Jim Palmer in our Twitter lives. Here's a tweet from Jim Palmer who tweets, at Jim22Palmer. This was a tweet that came out on the 10th of July, and he said, Shrimp boil celebration in honor of the O's stellar first half. Enjoy the break. Go O's All-Stars. At Mass and Orioles, at Orioles. And there's Jim in all his shrimp boil glory Glass of wine in hand, looking like he's loving life. I love the way Jim Hunter or Jim, Jim Hunter. I've got Jim Hunter on the brain. I love the way Did Jim you Palmer
0: has. family say that
1: Jim Palmer was Jim Hunter? No. Get I off love this podcast. Now. I love the way that Jim jim Palmer has taken to Twitter. He does a really good job with it.
0: Well, Jake, let me go to my next tweet and let me tell you a story. This comes from the Baltimoreans, Baltimoreans podcast. You can follow Matt B. Morons on Twitter. I'm going to censor this because I don't want to have to come back and bleep it out.
1: (laughs) You're a coward.
0: I am. How the F is Vin Scully about to tell me a story about Tillman at two years old that I've never heard? Hashtag vintage. First of all, clever on the hashtag, clever on the hashtag. Second of all, Vin Scully was an absolute joy to listen to throughout
1: the broadcast. I'm bitter. How bitter are you? I'm super bitter. I was planning on listening to that 340 uh, game at work. Yeah, listening to Vin Scully while I had something mindless to do at my desk. Couldn't get it through the network. Oh Dagger. I was devastated. But you saw the o'clock games, right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was I was really devastated. I mean, we're losing Vin Scully to baseball. You know, he's retiring this year and he is just the jewel of major. He's just such a such a national treasure. And to hear him call an Orioles game, it, it was really something. You want to take the next one? Absolutely. The next one is coming from uh, Rockabaka, who tweets at Mass and Rock. And here's an interesting, oh, how times have changed. Buck amazed hashtag Orioles used four pitchers in the 66 World Series. Quote, come on, man. We use four in the third inning. End quote. You know, the thing is, I think only the Orioles use four pitchers in the third
0: inning. Fair point. Um Next one I want to go into is a tweet, which is all about uniforms. Uh, This is from here 50. It's at hit it here 50. This is a pretty cool one. Um, It's from the here 50 project. And what they did was they went and grabbed the here flag that was at Memorial stadium where Frank Robinson hit it out of Memorial stadium. And they put it where the actual marker is Mm -hmm. at at, at Memorial stadium where there's now a youth baseball field. So they fly this um, and it's just part of a, a local YMCA. So, um, they've been following us and, um, you know, we were talking about the, uh, high socks and the stirrups and they posted a little bit of nugget. Apparently the American league had a stirrup rule as a result of Frank Robinson's high stirrups would have never have guessed. And it goes through the whole aspect of this article and how Frank Robinson's stirrups were above six and a half inches. Apparently that's too big. So gentlemen, just so you know, if it's bigger than six and a half inches, it's too big. That's my
1: my stirrups have never never uh, threatened six and a half inches uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, well I'm gonna quote a schmuck okay this is Peter Schmuck he tweets at schmuck stop guessing Dodger Stadium is the only place you can hear organ version of house of the Rising Sun during a mountain visit with a Japanese pitcher that's good music right there not only is it good music uh I, I was a big fan of the organ at Dodger Stadium altogether yeah. I thought it was on point also one point uh, Peter schmuck is uh has become interesting on the twitter he just does not care anymore he just does not care
0: anymore and just lets his opinions be had and to be fair it's a good time of the year to be listing grievances out there so uh, you know i think it's a good time for us jake to you know vent after a slight hiatus
1: Folks, you may have noticed the Bird's Eye View took an unannounced hiatus last week. Uh, During this time, your hosts, beleaguered by a long and taxing first half of the season, enjoyed a week at the beach with their respective families. Our vacations coincided with Independence Day. The Independence Day holiday and July 4th is, of course, one of our favorites. It was on this day, uh, July 4th, 240 years ago, that the Second Continental Congress declared that we were fighting for our freedom, not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We were fighting for our right to live, to exist. Jake,
0: I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't think that's right. What? I, I don't think think you maybe got the wrong reference there.
1: Okay, look, it doesn't matter. Anyway, on that day in 1776, our forefathers kicked off this American experiment with a declaration— of independence that apparently was not read by bill pullman what's funny is they came back in 1812
0: just like they came back like 20 years later well did never they call, mind <laughs>
1: did, did they call it british
0: resurgence i don't know but there's a great song at the end of independence day too that you should listen to i'll
1: get right on that all right this oft celebrated you can say oh right in the middle of the movie it's gonna be great <laughs> this oft celebrated document the uh, Declaration of Independence included, amongst other components, a list of grievances enumerating the reasons for the American rebellion. And we Orioles fans may not be in a state of rebellion. But our team, though it remains at the top of the AL East heading into the All-Star break, leaves us with many grievances. And so in this, um, we'll call it Spirit of 76, we will list our own Orioles grievances and first I want to levy a grievance directly at Dan Duquette he has refused after 2015 made it clear that starting pitching was deficient to address in any real way the dire need for starting pitching on this ball club now Scott I don't care what anybody has to say when Giovanni Gallardo was signed Costing a draft pick, by the way. He did. Nobody in their right mind said, oh, that's it, we fixed it. We're done. We're done. Not only that, the Orioles broke camp with Mike Wright as part of the rotation, just hoping that he wouldn't go boom. Yeah. And I want, I'll go one step further. Not only are we not getting good options to fill the rotation, we didn't even bother to get good backup plans. And the crappy backup plans that we got We haven't seen. This team acquired both Vance Worley, whose use I should not be advocating, and Osdreamer Despagne, whose use I should not be advocating. And we haven't seen either used in any real capacity as a starter when it's been clear that the starters just don't have it. This team has had no starting pitching, and they've done next to nothing to address that.
0: I will also point out, too, as he lists grievances, For a team that was breaking camp and knowing that your pitching depth was Mike Wright and Tyler Wilson, getting rid of Miguel Gonzalez for $4 million was a situation where it looked like a cash grab. And to this date, it still looks like a cash grab where depth is a premium in this organization this time. And I'm not saying Miguel Gonzalez would have been the answer in the American League East, but again, he could have put together a few starts similar to what Mike Wright and Tyler Wilson does and probably done it more decently and it wasn't like miguel gonzalez was out of options he could have gone down to the minors to start this year but the Orioles decided to say you know what we really want four million dollars instead of having that option available from a depth standpoint
1: i didn't even think of that now even more angry well
0: i'm I'm glad that you're angry
1: does that finalize your list of grievances for Mr to get no can may i list through my grievances before i give way to yours yes go ahead all right next grievance He has stubbornly clung—this is Dan Duquette—he has stubbornly clung to mistakes of the past, failing to sever ties with unproductive, dangerous, and outright deplorable players. First of all, he refused to part with uh, Brian Mattis until it was too late. Second of all, he continues to hold on to Ubaldo Jimenez, despite all common sense to the contrary. Okay. And TJ McFarland, but— And TJ McFarland. (laughs) I'm usually a TJ defender, but I'm angry. I say— Yes. All right, next, Grievance. He he has plundered our treasure for aging sluggers, whose contracts may prove to be albatross-esque to a franchise that will reach a financial crossroads before the 2019 season. Look, Scott, I love me some Chris Davis, but we bid against ourselves in order to spend $161 million for all the warm fuzzies associated with the Bible Belter. And let me ask you these... Two questions. How good would $161 million look in that rotation right now? Pretty good. Especially with Mark Trumbo at first base. How good would $161 million look to get a real outfield? Now, it happened to work out that Kim and Rickard seem to be okay. Right. But we used the same get a bunch of stuff and throw it against the wall on hope that brought Travis Snyder here to the Orioles in 2015. We didn't bother to get a real solution we just hoped and and to be fair if you
0: did not sign davis you would have trouble at first base um who would have putting up another career year uh you would have had rickard and kim serving a platoon probably in left field and in right field you could have gone out and got another outfielder potentially maybe you go out and get dexter fowler for a slightly higher amount of money than you were going to spend and bring him in and and just bring him in and say you know what we're willing to meet that, that 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 demand that you have but Again, a bunch of what-ifs, but that starting pitching would have looked really nice in, the, in this rotation.
1: Even half of that. Gosh, you spent yeah. $80 million and got a real pitcher. It would, be, it would just be a totally different season. But, Scott, one last grievance, and then I want to give it away, uh, give way to you for a couple here. He has squandered the resources of our farm system, sweetening lopsided deals with draft picks and international signing monies. I, uh, no, you know what, Scotty? You take this one. Yeah, this comes back to
0: the whole aspect of um, not looking at depth of the organization and basically trading away in order to alleviate payroll. And to a certain regard, you have to look back at last year where the Orioles basically squandered $25 million. And you have to think that they're trying to somewhat make up for that money as of this year. Payroll was right around $140, $150 million. You know, that was probably a little higher than they wanted to be. So the Orioles are obviously trying to get some money back, um, in, in order to not have to be in the dangerous stance that they are in. And this comes after ticket prices were increased by twenty percent, which again, most people are perfectly happy with. But again, it's going to give the Orioles an extra twenty to thirty million dollars in revenue at this end of the season. So could the Orioles spend more money? Yeah, it, they probably could after the twenty percent increase. So it, they don't look like a team that is spending um, like a top-ten-ticket team should, um, and, and they're being foolhardy with some of their draft picks and just trading away for $3 million. It still bothers me to this day that the Orioles traded away a draft pick this year and last year to basically get $5 million back. So they traded two draft picks away for $5 million.
1: Let me ask something. Would you agree that the Orioles' window comes very dangerously in— in, uh, in, it's very dangerous that it'll close at the end of the 2018 season? Sure. And again, if you don't sign Manny Machado, it's done. It's as simple as that. It's done. And the 2018 season is the last season for which Dan Duquette is signed as the GM of this ball club? Correct. And Buckshot Walter's one year past that, so— Do you think that uh, Duquette is trying his best to get himself— a World Series team or bust, or do you think he's simply taking advantage of the window that's presented itself? Jake, do you really think he's worried
0: about a World Series or bust, or do you think he's more concerned about bluffing his resume and getting out of town?
1: Well, I don't know what the exchange rate will be like in Canada at that point.
0: That's a good point. Well, Donald Trump
1: would be probably present at that point, so. Scott, I have <laughs> I have beat up Dan Duquette pretty well here, but I ask you, do you do you have any grievances that you would like to air at this point? Yeah, I think we need to take to task someone that we haven't done
0: so on this podcast very often, and that's Buck Showalter. <gasps> Certainly not. Buck Walter deserves to take a little bit of flack. Adam Jones batting leadoff was cute to begin with, but honestly, it's grown stale now. Since the beginning of July, he's posting a mediocre 311 on-base percentage and an 86 weighted runs created plus from the leadoff spot. That's not to say that the Orioles center fielder hasn't achieved great things since coming into the leadoff spot, but I I really question the aspect of cause and effect. And The reason I say that is just because he moved to the leadoff spot doesn't mean that was the reason he got better. No, folks. The reason he got better is because he was healthy. He was finally healthy, and Buck wanted to get him some additional time and see some additional pitches. Now's a great time to say, you know what, Adam, we appreciate everything you did. We're going to move you back down into you know the three or the five hole, and we're going to put someone that has a high on-base percentage, oh, I don't know, like a Hansu Kim back at the top of the order, do Kim, do Machado, do Trumbo, do Davis, and then put Jones back at the fifth spot and, and reorder the lineup. Look, it's a minor thing, all, all things considering. We've talked about this in the past. The first year or two that we did the podcast, we were all about lineup optimization mm-hmm. lineup optimization and line optimization and to a certain aspect the mass podcast still talks about it but that's another topic for another day but even if um the team were to do a perfect lineup and buck has talked about the over importance of lineup it would give you about 20 runs per season which comes out to be about two wins basically so the thing is you look and it's like well it's just two wins but that's a minor difference that could play a big role in getting between a playoff spot and a division in the tight ALE-sorted areas where it is right now. So the Orioles need to be making all the right moves, and Buck Showalter is not making the right move by continuing to bat Adam Jones in the leadoff spot. we have also got a beef with Buck this past weekend. What's the deal with the small ball lately? There are three main reasons not to bunt by us sabermetric nerds. Uh, number one, you're getting an out when you really shouldn't give one. And that was one that Earl always talked about, is you don't give an out to the other team. You only have 27, don't give another one. Oftentimes, the rate of scoring goes down in a game. So if you look at run expectancy per situational uh, batter, and more times than not, it goes down. And the other thing is, a lot of times, bunters are unsuccessful. So even if the bunter does get down a good bunt, it has a chance to either pop up, or foul tip it into a mitt, or cause a, a, another issue? Go
1: ahead. Well, what I want to ask you is this. Aren't the Orioles ill-suited for bunting? This is not a team that manufactures runs well. This is a team that depends on the home run, depends on the extra base hit. If you have a runner on second base, like we saw, uh, I think it was on Sunday, if you have a runner on second base that you're trying to get onto third, Why? A single can score that run with almost everybody but Hardy on this team right now. Correct. And again, coming back to who was on second base, it's Adam Jones. It's not like Adam Jones is
0: slow. He could easily get to home um, on a decent hit ball. So we're going to ground her up the middle, basically. So, Jake, I want to come back to the run expectancy because run expectancy, for those that need a refresher is the best way to describe it, um, is a situation where – um, it looks at how often is a run scored in these given environments. So, for example, um, we'll go to the first one, where, where it's first and second zero outs, Joey Rickard comes to play. So in this instance, with Joey Rickard's WOBA at 308, normally in this situation, 1.5 runs are scored per inning in this in this situation. So he's got a pretty good chance of driving in that run. He's got a good chance of driving in the run or having someone after him drive in the runs as well. But, yes, he's got an excellent chance of driving in a few runs. By bunting here and bringing up Matt Wieters following him, so now you've got second and third, one out, Matt Wieters comes to the plate with a 1.448 run expectancy. Now, Jake, that's a decrease than it was before, so there was no tangible benefit for Matt Wieters to basically come to the plate. In fact, the break point for this was um, you would have to have a 3.32 WOBA or a 103 Wieter runs created plus for it to be positive. So in certain instances, it could be positive if you had a situation where – it was first and second, and maybe Manny Machado was coming up. Maybe that's a good opportunity to say, you know what? We're going to put a man in second and third because Manny on a single could drive in two runs as opposed to one run here, and maybe that's a good opportunity to do it. But coming back to the Sunday instance, second base, zero outs, Rickard 1.149 RE for this one. Manny Machado comes up next, but even with Manny Machado's impressive 392 Woba, his run expectancy drops to 1.084. For this given situation. Because again. You have one more out to work with. And again. You took an out away. And by doing so. Now you have two chances to get a run. As opposed to three chances. You always want more
1: chances. It's it's the game monopoly. You always want that additional chance card. And this is not the pitcher bunting. You right. Know, this is not a weak lineup. This is a lineup that one through nine is pretty good. Right. And that's the big
0: point is. The Orioles have a run environment of above five runs per game. This is a great lineup. You don't want to give yourself outs because, again, you want as many chances as possible. So if you've got an abysmal hitter to the plate like a pitcher or, in this case, Caleb Joseph, you go ahead and take a hit and you you just try it out. But if you've got someone that's absolutely horrible, like a pitcher or Caleb Joseph, you go ahead and lay down the bunt. I think I see what you did there. Uh, yeah, exactly. All right. So I've got one more grievance, if you don't mind. Oh, no. Let's hear it. And I've got a grievance for Birdland and this podcast. Ooh. So we just ranted about Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter, somewhat tongue in cheek to a certain regard. There was a few minor things in there, but for, I have
1: a tongue, I have a cheek. I hear you. Yeah, yep. but
0: we, we did this a little tongue in cheek because the comments that we just made or the comments that are made by you the fans on Twitter and you the audience a lot of times. Um and, and it's not just you, it's also the casual fan. There's a lot of unhappiness and unrest in Birdland and not a lot of enjoyment of how impressive this season has been so far. We've seen booing to begin the season. I've seen booing actually this past weekend where the team was booed after they gave a run, which is absolutely embarrassing, Baltimore, that you would do so. People have got basically butthurt over analysts and media not choosing their team or its players for its all-star game teams or saying, hey, Pagoda pick this. It doesn't matter what people think. You don't need to be reaffirmed by a talking head on ESPN who's not the audience. Their audience is New York, Boston, and anywhere else that doesn't have a major league baseball team that they say, hey, we can get Nashville, Tennessee to like the New York Yankees because if we broadcast it enough, that's the only team they're going to know about. And by so, I'm going to go ahead and follow them. Look, you're in a secret club to a certain regard. You are in the Baltimore Orioles fan club. You should enjoy and embrace this first-place team and not worry about what your friend or your neighbor says. Stop complaining about the bad things and start pitching. Start enjoying the good things. Home runs and comebacks are fun baseball to watch. And not having to worry about tragic losses after three hours of baseball oftentimes is very nice. I can't imagine leaving that Dodgers game after 15 innings and losing The ability for the bullpen to stretch out games and keep the Orioles competitive is so much more enjoyable than having your bullpen implode and then being left with basically uh, a mess in your hands. So we've waited years for good teams to come. And we've had it since 2012. And I think to a certain regard, we're always waiting for that other shoe to drop. And Burland, what I'm trying to tell you is it's been five years now. Get used to winning. Act like you've been here before and just accept the fact that this is a good baseball team with a good manager. And even though Dan Duquette does make mistakes occasionally, (laughs) Dan Duquette also has brought in players such as Mark Trumbo, who has been, in my opinion, one of the most valuable Orioles during this season. And
1: well worth the third
0: string catcher we paid for him. Correct. So you can make all the negatives you want, but at the same point you have to tip your cap to, Dan Duquette, Buck Showalter, and the team for some of the great moves they've made so far in the season.
1: I think the the best point you made there was 2012. Yeah. 2012, you and I expected a terrible team, and we waited that whole season. We waited for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, you can go back and listen to like episode 26 and 27. And, and Actually, it, don't do that. No, please, please <laughs> don't. And it's not that that wasn't a good season, but we were so re- we were so ready for the losing to come back. We were ready for 2005 all over again. Yeah. I was actually just talking to
0: uh, our audience member Godzilla about this, uh, Godzilla, because he stopped by and saw me, and I was like, "It almost feels eerily similar to 2005," is what I told him. And I said, "And I don't understand why I think that, but I feel like if we go into the All Star break with a losing, you know, a losing stretch to a certain regard, I said, I, I, I don't know why, but I feel like it's going to end poorly for us. And that's why when I went to the Sunday's game, I was like, "We have to win this game. We have to go in this game, even though." In all honesty, we probably didn't need to make the win, win that game. But it's that weird sense in the back of your head of saying, something's going to go wrong, something's going to go wrong, something's going to go wrong, that we as Orioles fans need to get over and push aside because if we continue in that fashion, we're never going to come to accept the beauty and the wonder, which is Orioles baseball right now.
1: Here's the other thing. I, I feel like I'm being negative when I say that the window, I think, closes after 2018. I but here's being, the beauty I don't think you're being negative i think you're being realistic in that regard <laughs> but here's the beautiful thing about that in 2014 this team didn't win the world series which crushed me because i thought it was the best chance we had right i thought that was really the best chance we had but here's the beauty of the situation we had a shot the next year yep and we have a shot this year and if it doesn't work out this year if i am saying that 2018 is the ma- you know when the magic ends that means we've got a shot next year and the year after that and i would absolutely trade in 14 years of having no shot Mm -hmm. for what we're experiencing right now. So, yeah, I realize that watching Tyler Wilson and Mike Wright and Baldo Jimenez get their brains beat in is painful to watch. And when it happens consecutively, it's painful to watch. But this is a good team. And this is a good time to be an Orioles fan. We should enjoy it. All right. I think we need to get
0: away from grievances for a little bit. And I think we need to get to the truth of the matter, if you don't mind. (laughs) We're at the halfway point. We're going to cover a little bit more stuff in depth in a future episode, but I think we need to ask ourselves a few questions. Jake, if you don't mind, I'd like to pull back an old favorite of mine. I think we're going to do some truth or truth. So, Jake, I'm going to ask you the first question. Are you okay with Orioles not trading for anyone right now and just rolling with the roster as it is.
1: Ugh. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no because the cupboard is bare. We don't have a whole heck of a lot to give, but I think that incremental improvements can be made to this club, which will max out the potential of this team competing for a playoff spot and going deeper into the playoffs. So I say no. So Jake Short, got Jake something. is on
0: the Dan Duquette bandwagon of trade it all away. We've got three years left. Let's go ahead and just roll with the dice. All right, Jake, what's, what's your one for me?
1: You know, Scott, this is a matter of truth. Or, or truth. truth. Jake Arietta famously said, it gets better. And so too did Mike Bordick this week on Sunday on the broadcast Now, the context of the statement was a little different. Mike Bordick said that there was only one place for the Orioles' starting pitching to go from here, and that was up. So, Scott, truth or truth, do you agree with Mike Bordick that Orioles' starting pitching can only get better in the second half? Jake, I I know you're going
0: to find this hard to believe, but I actually agree with Mike Bordick. Get out. I I think to a certain certain regard that the pitching has to get better because, like you said— it's hard to imagine they get any worse, and we've talked about this early in the season. The Orioles' starting pitching's left-on-base percentage so far for the season has been, well, it's been pretty abysmal for the starters. It's below seventy percent right now. Um, I have to think that it's going to get better. Normally, it averages out right around like seventy-two or seventy-three percent. Um, also, their home run per fly ball is at thirteen point six, where the league average is right around ten to eleven percent. So, yes, I think the Orioles are giving up. A lot of home runs right now, they're letting a lot of people, um, they're not straining a lot of runners on base. So do I think it's going to get better? Yeah, I think it's going to get better. I don't think it's going to get a lot better, but I think it could easily get into the lower 20s as opposed to the upper 20s. All right. Bonus truth of truth. Yes. Does it need to get a lot better? Uh, No. I don't think it needs to get any, I don't think it needs to get a lot better. I think it just needs to get a little bit better. I agree with you. All right, Jake. Next one for truth or truth.
1: What are you going to go with? I'm going to ask you this, Scott Magnus. Is the AL East going to be the best race in the second half of the season with three pretty good but flawed teams coming down to the wire? Do you think the AL East will be the most entertaining race to watch in baseball in the second half of 2016? Uh Yes, I do.
0: I think it's gonna be the best race. And I think it's literally a crapshoot and toss up. And I think whoever gets hot down the stretch is going to win the division. It's as simple as that. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the wild card game be AL East versus AL East. So yes, I think it's going to be the best division race. And if it does come down to that, and the AL East is the winner, it'd be interesting to see wildcard wildcard for ALEs and then the wild card go and play the AL East division as well. That'd be crazy for a division series.
1: Bon- bonus question. That's this is another bonus question. Th- there are no rules. This okay. is truth or truth. Okay. Let's say the Orioles uh, are awaiting the winner of a Toronto-Boston Wild Card one-game playoff. Who are you rooting for? Um.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> You're rooting for the weather. No. <laughs> um. All right, Jake. I got one for you. This is my my second truth of truth for you. Jake, would you be willing to trade Buck Showalter to the Dodgers in order to get Vin Scully to call all the rest of the Orioles games?
1: Okay. So the question is hashtag vintage against hashtag sassy Buck? Yes.
0: So you have to get rid of Buck and trade him to the Dodgers, and you get Vin Scully for the rest of the season.
1: I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Only What if I give you Vin Scully... For as
0: long as Buck Showalter's contract, which is until twenty nineteen,
1: again I say no. Wow. Okay. Vin does not belong to me. He 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 is the Dodgers, and so I, I feel like I would just be, I, I would be, uh, you know, taking away something that's not rightfully mine. All right, Jake. What's your next question, Scott? This we're gonna go to the last truth or truth. Okay. But, uh, you know, I've, I've broken the rules and I've gone to bonus territory. Yeah, probably like five now, I think. So, so I'm going to break the rules further. Okay. Scott, truth or truth? I'll do truth. Go for it. Right, you can do truth, but I'm going to put a, a caveat on it. You always do. You can't answer Manny Machado. Okay. Scott Magnus, truth or truth? Which player on the current roster would you extend today? Jonathan Scope. Okay. Okay, Jonathan Scope is the next player to be extended. Yeah, I would do Jonathan Scope in a heartbeat. Now, are you hoping that re-signing Jonathan Scope would also net you Manny Machado? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You've cheated. You cheated me, Scott. Yeah, I would definitely do Jonathan Scope in a a heartbeat. There's no question.
0: And uh, I know Javi Burns is very excited right now. I would say last truth or truth, Jake. What are you going with?
1: You know, it's always a tough choice, but I'm going to go with truth.
0: That was a big mistake, by the way, um, because by going with that... You've unleashed this final question, Jake. If you were a Pokemon, which one would you be? I
1: have no, I have no idea. I've, <laughs> I have, I have. Le- this isn't me just trying to play cool. Like I've legit never, never. I know that Pikachu is a thing. That's there you a Pokemon, go. right? Yeah.
0: So there you go. So you're Pikachu. Um,
1: is there a well? Let, let's let's break this down. Is there like a really scrawny, weak? Uh, kind of dumb Pokemon? Yeah, it's called Magikarp. Uh, that's me.
0: Okay, so Jake is Magikarp, everybody. <laughs> All a, right. That's a good thing, right? Uh, no, it's a terrible thing. <laughs> okay,
1: so <laughs> if I was a Pokemon, where would I be found in Pokemon Go? Uh, As Magikarp? If you're a
0: Magikarp, you're basically flopping around on the ground and by water, basically. So, in a ditch. Yes, basically. All right. It kind of sounds like a typical American University night for you. Oh, my. <laughs> All right, with that... Let's go through the numbers from, well, I guess a few weeks ago. Let's go through and see who was the boss.
1: Oh, when it comes to kissing, I just got to keep insisting on, oh baby. You sure do swing. When it comes to kissing, I just got to keep insisting on, daddy you got me beat up and down
0: So a little weird this week. Um so our last fantasy boss category was total number of strikeouts. Jake, you took Gossman, I took Tillman. Um and we weren't really planning to take last week off, but you know things just happen. So the measurement from two weeks ago was this. Gossman had seven until so, he had three. So, Jake, you actually had the higher number that week. But I just want to come back to last week because we did say last week. Uh And last week it looked like this. Gossman had six until he had seven. So if we count both of them, it comes out to be Gossman 13, Tilly 10. Jake, I think if we're being completely honest with ourselves, I'm going to have to give you this one. So that brings the, category, the total to five to four. And um, well, okay, that's that's great and all, but
1: yeah, again, razor thin margins, Scott. We're not terrible at this. Razor thin margins. So,
0: um, what I would like to go with for this category is again something simplistic. We only have three games to deal with: Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before the next um, bird's eye view, um, which will be episode one seventy two. Um, Chick, we're gonna go simple RBIs.
1: All right, so we've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep, in Tampa. In Tampa. And we just need the the number of RBI. Yep, that, that is just exactly what I said. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm stalling. Yeah, um, I am going to go with uh, you know what? I think that uh, Chris Davis you know? is going to is going to explode in in Tampa and drive in all of the runs. It's really unfortunate because I really feel like Chris
0: Davis is starting to heat back up again, and that's who I was going to go with. It hits well in that park. He does hit well in that park. So. Uh, I appreciate you taking my answer for me. I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go with somebody else who I think is kind of slowly starting to heat up again. I'm going with Johnny Baseball, Johnny Scope. I think it's a good choice. All right, so we will see who has the most RBIs this upcoming week in Fantasy Boss and who will own it. And with that, let's go over into the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. So uh, I'm actually going to start this week, and uh, my good's going to go to Dylan Bundy, who I think is starting to develop into something special. Um, Dylan Bundy's strikeout uh, strikeout rate has been exceptional. His fastball velocity has increased to 96 miles per hour again, which is where he was when he was first scouted and first came into the minors. Uh, He certainly looks like he's the most healthy that he's been in a long time. Um, and and not to mention, his breaking ball pitches have been absolutely a, a blast to watch. So he is kind of developing into this pitcher right in front of us. And people keep looking at him saying, he's got starter-like material. And while I agree that some of his pitches do look like, like starter-like quality, I would warn folks just to be a little careful with it. Again, there's no need to push him right now. And then maybe if you want to give him one spot start, that's fine. But it should maybe be a four-inning start, and that's it. You cut him off, and then you basically do a piggyback and just say, Bundy, thanks for doing what you did. We'll start you again at the end of August, but no more than three to five starts this year at at best.
1: What do you think his innings count looks like? Do you think he's on a
0: limitation? I think if you—I don't know if it's so much an innings count as it is a pitch count. I can't imagine he's pitching more than 70 pitches. I think that'll probably be about it. Okay, which I think is okay, like I said, but that might get you three innings, that might get you four innings, whatever it comes out to be. I think it, it comes down to a pitch limit as opposed to an innings limit.
1: All right. Hey, my good for this week is a little odd. I'm going to go with somebody who had a just average week. I am going with J.J. Hardy. J.J. Mm. Hardy had a weighted runs created plus of 105 this week. And actually, or that's for the last two weeks, should I say. The last two weeks since we've been gone, 105 weighted runs created plus in this last week alone it was a weighted runs created plus of 215 and here's the thing about J.J. Hardy he's clearly not the guy he was when he first arrived in Baltimore and he looks like the walking wounded when he runs but if he can hold it together and produce at the league average at the plate that's exactly the kind of number nine hitter I would love to have and the way he's running right now it makes me think that he's not going to make it through the rest of the season but He's having a really good uh, couple of weeks right now. Maybe the four days will help him, and I would love to see more of the same from J.J. Hardy. Look, forget the home runs. If he can continue to be a productive player at the, at the bat, uh, you know, hitting slap singles, hitting gap power, hobbling around as best he can, I'll take it. So I've beat him up a little bit in the past. J.J. Hardy, I tip my cap. Good week. So bad for
0: this week is going to go to Chris Davis, who has been very much looking like he's struggling at the plate. K rate this week. Um, He's definitely in Chris Davis, a bad territory right now, Um, but I I think he's slowly kind of coming out of it. It certainly looked like, you know, over a week ago, it was really bad. And now it's looking like, you know, the precipice is starting to come off and players go through slumps like this all the time, but it's really tough to see Chris Davis when he watches strike three go past all the time and he's not even swinging the bat. So Chris Davis gets my bad
1: for the week. All right, my bad for this week is going to Matt Wieters. Uh Matt Weeters absolutely disappeared at the plate this week. Looking 21, appearance, played, uh, 21 plate appearances, which is about the standard for one of the starters. He got three hits. Matt Weeters is just lost at the plate this week, and it was not a good look for him. In fact, I would say not only not good, but bad. All right. So my ugly for
0: the week is going to go to Giovanni Gardo, who has been having <laughs> issues getting deep in the games, is the best way to put it. A four-inning outing this week and a five-inning outing. Uh, Giovanni Gardo needs to give this team depth. And I, again, it was not a depth signing that Gardo was. When we first signed him, I mentioned that his average start was right around five and two-thirds of an inning. So uh, again, I'm, I wasn't expecting big things this year from him. But with as bad as the rest of the pitching staff has been, I was hoping that a veteran presence would basically try to solidify it and at least try to get us six innings. That doesn't seem to be the case. And statistically, it looks like Gallardo is going to be exactly what we thought he was. He's going to be get that pitcher that gives you five innings here, six innings here, five innings here, six innings here, which is extremely disappointing for giving up a draft pick for. So Giovanni Gallardo, I thought was going to be a
1: major boost to this team, um, has certainly been ugly so far since coming back. All right, my ugly for this week is late-night Twitter. Look, we had ourselves a rough go of it on the West Coast until the Orioles salvaged that series against the Dodgers. The Orioles went out to San Diego, took care of business, and then they lost four straight games in Seattle. And judging by the folks that were up late, this was the end of the world. Now, I know that it was not pleasant to watch. I know that the Orioles lost frustrating games in Seattle. But the first place Baltimore Orioles just withstood a five-game losing streak to end the first half of the season 15 games over 500. People, get yourselves together. Have a little bit of, I don't want to say self-respect, perspective, I think is the right thing. Look, at some point, every team has a really rough stretch. This team, unfortunately, had two of them. Six game losing streaks, one on top of the other, that put them out of contention in 2015. But they were fine in Seattle, and they will be fine the rest of the season. And the next time they go through an extended losing streak, remember this, please. The Orioles won two of the three series on that West Coast trip. And now come back for a little home cooking. Get yourselves together, Orioles. You're embarrassing. Orioles fans, you're embarrassing me. It's kind of a
0: reiteration of what we said earlier on the show. Yeah, but you didn't know
1: I was going to say that.
0: All right. Blow and save. Let me play you some music and then you can uh, go ahead and do this. Kind of make you all fancy. I love
1: it. Go ahead and do this. So, Scotty, uh, All Star Break is this week, and we are treated tonight on Monday to the All Star Home Run Derby. Home Run Derby. Uh, first of all, first and foremost, I just have to say I dig the new format. They've really tweaked it the last couple of years to make it watchable at where it wasn't before. So good for you, Major League Baseball. Um, but more than that, I am really digging the San Diego Padres. Uh, all-star uniforms i really really like them and i will i would call them this i think they are garishly beautiful what do you think scotty are you colorblind no brown mustard and beautiful
0: high stirrups brown and yellow they're not brown and yellow jake that's what i'm asking you colorblind they're actually blue and uh blue and red I see what you did there. Yeah.
1: That's nice. All right, so you're not a fan?
0: No, I, I'm not a fan. I understand what they're going for in terms of the retro, nostalgic look, but it, it it's absolutely horrible. But it does raise an interesting question, Jake. If the Orioles were to finally get an All-Star game and come to some kind of uh, grievance concession for Major League Baseball, <laughs> that's the best way to put it, what alternate uniforms would you like to see the American League and the National League wear? If Baltimore was represented.
1: All right. So it used to just be primary colors, right? The National League would wear jerseys with the primary colors of of one and then the National League or the American League would wear the other. So the the standard logic would be American League wears orange jerseys with black script, and the National League wears black jerseys with with uh, orange script. But I think we need to be more imaginative than that because the the All-Star games have really stepped up their game. And it started, I think, in many ways with the twins. Right when we were in Minnesota, because everybody's hat had that funky the thing that the Twins used to do. I think that the Padres have totally stepped up their game here, and so this is what I think needs to happen, Scott. Okay, I think that uh, both teams need to wear uh, orange orange jerseys, okay. and orange pants of the nineteen seventy six uh, all orange uniform. And the hat will signify which which league you're playing in. I, I do all like, orange all the time.
0: I do like that. Uh, another choice may be um, the Orioles could represent the colors of the city, so we could do the colors of the Bloods. We could do the color Jeez. of the Crips, and then the umpires could wear the uh, Black Gorilla family colors. You're terrible.
1: You're a <laughs> terrible human being. <laughs> Awful. I, I am a terrible,
0: terrible human being. But folks, let us know what you think should be the uniform of choice for an Orioles all-star game for the American league and national league and uh, send us those recommendations to hashtag O's all-star. And uh, I-, I guess with that and uh, my indecent comments from there, um, we should pretty much call an end to the show. I would guess.
1: Yeah. Let's, let's slip out the back door here, yeah. Scotty. Uh, look, everybody enjoy the all-star game also look out for the bevies which will be released on thursday july 14th will be a lot of fun wait two episodes in one week well we had none last week so we're making up for it this is a total makeup all right baltimore and beyond i bid you all a fun
0: adieu adieu good night baltimore be safe out there and let's go o's jake i just called a magic car by the way i think i'm gonna call it jake english it's a good idea it just keeps flopping around and doing nothing it's kind of useless yeah that is you